This podcast is sponsored by Tell2App.com. Welcome to The Life of a Networker. On this podcast, we are featuring industry leaders from the network marketing profession to share with you the stories, inspiration, and leadership. Now, here is global business developer, leader in authentic sharing technology, your host, Mr. Mike Fedick. Hey, what's going on to our fans and friends and family out there? It's Mike Fedick and Chris here with the life of a networker. And, you know, we say the same thing every time that we are excited because we truly always are when we have the opportunity to interview successful entrepreneurs uh, in the space of network marketing, relationship marketing, affiliate marketing. It's got so many great names today, but at the end of the day, what it does is it empowers people. It helps people have a better way uh, to live their life, to take good products or great services, to help their family. So we love the industry. And so uh, in the studio today, we're honored because this gentleman got up early for us. You know, we're here, I'm here in Mexico, Chris is in Texas. Uh, but we've got Christian Rosario with us from Hawaii. It's 7 a.m. Welcome to the studio, brother. Hey, man, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I see the roster of the people that you have that's on the show. Man, I, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be here, man. Thanks, brother. Oh, man. Well, listen, we just appreciate you. And uh, I just took a look when you turned your camera. You're on your porch now in Hawaii. There's some surfboards laying there. Uh, I love surfing. And I um, actually went to Mexico uh, to a beach called uh, Punta Mita. Uh, which is an incredible spot that has some awesome surfing. So I'll have to come visit you in Hawaii, and then you uh, and Chris will come visit me here in Mexico, and we'll do some surfing together. Oh, that's a deal, man. That's a deal. Awesome, man. Well, listen, you know, the audience that, that, uh, that always is tuning in here, Christian, is we've got the beginning networkers that are just getting started in the industry, and, and they're excited. They're fired up. They got a hold of the podcast to, to really get some good nuggets to help them and their business grow. And then there's some folks that have been around for a while, a couple of years now, and they're sitting there kind of like, man, I need that last, you know, code to the safe. I need something to get me going. And, and we always as leaders laugh because we go, look, you don't need any message from us. You just need to get that white, hot, burning desire lit up um, and you'll be able to go succeed and, and create all the success you've ever wanted. So those are the audience that we're, that we're talking to mostly. And you'll definitely get some seven figure earners listening in here. So uh, we, we cover it all. But Tell us, my friend, where did you get started? When, when was it that you got started? And most importantly, what was the tool back then? Because I know it wasn't Facebook. I know it wasn't Instagram. How did you get started back in the day? I tell you what, you know, I was 19 years old. I was wet behind the ears. I had no business being in business, you know, <laughs> and I was working for a company called Cinnabon, okay. right? And I was making cinnamon rolls, right? And uh, at that time, we didn't have the technology that we have today. We had pagers, though, okay? Pagers <laughs> were hot. Right. And, uh, you know, what I was I was working one day and a friend of mine paged me and it said nine one one four two four. Back then it was a call sign saying, call me back. It's an emergency. Right. Four two four. Call me back. Yeah. Yeah. And it had my friend's number on. It. And I remember seeing that and either something really good happened or something really bad happened. Right. So I took my break, called her up, my friend Bernie. And I said, what's going on? And she goes, well, I met somebody. And you would not believe what happened. I'm like, what? You know, what's going on? And she was real excited on the phone. And she was real frantic. She was real urgent on the phone. She goes, you got to meet him. Right? He's making $30,000 a month. He's 18 years old. Wow. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. 
there's no way, right? Either that guy's doing something illegal or, you know, um, there's no way. This is a myth, right? This yeah, is, yeah. This, it's, it's not happening. So anyway, it took her, it took me about two weeks. Okay. It took me about two weeks for her bugging me saying, you got to come down. Uh, she called me, she paged me. You got to come down. She was really relentless. And, uh, you know, I came out, you know, she told me dress up in your business attire. I'm like, Oh my God, I looked in my closet. There's no, <laughs> there's no clothing that resemble business. So I, I was wearing my, my, my nice white t-shirt had some FUBU shoes on like it was yesterday. I remember, right. I was wearing Ben Davis, you know, pants and yeah. I was driving down the four or five freeway. And I remember we didn't have GPS, right. And I've never been out of my little city. Yeah. Okay. And I just got my license. I've never been out of my little city and I'm driving to Irvine, California from Carson to Irvine. If you guys ever know, if you know where Carson's at, it's like in the middle of everything. Right. So I grew up in a neighborhood where it's not affluent. Right. I tell people all the time I lived in a gated community, meaning that my windows were gated, right? <laughs> my doors were gated. Right. So and I go down to this place, Irvine, and I'm in my Thomas guide. If you guys know what that means. The Thomas guide is like a little road map. OK. And I was just going down. I was like kind of. OK. So I got I'm, I'm going down the four or five way and I go to this building and uh, I look in my river mirror. I'm in the parking lot and there was kids. They're coming out of these beautiful cars and they're wearing ties and they're wearing suits. And yeah. I was so intimidated. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go inside this place, right? Because I'm, I'm underdressed. Yeah. I look like a schmuck, right? I had a shaved head, had a long goatee, I had tattoos showing. <laughs> That's the way I would look. I had hoop earrings. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you believe in divine intervention, Mike, but, uh, you know, there was an empty parking space next to me. And... At that moment in time, I was like, man, I'm going to leave. I'm going to tell my friend some excuse saying, hey, you know, something happened. I'm going to take off. Yeah. But she pulled up right next to me. Couldn't right. And we locked eyes. And there was no way that I was going to leave. Right. Because she drugged me out of my car. And I'm inside of this room. There's about 400 people there. And she said, I saved the seat in front for you. I'm like, hell no. I'm not going <laughs> in the front. I'm like, I'm going to sit in the back. I located the exit signs. I'm like, okay, if this thing's weird, I'm going to leave. Yeah, right? yeah. Everybody's clapping. Music was blaring. There's 400 people in the room. And um, <clears throat> she gave me a note, notepad and pen. And I'm sitting in the back. And sure enough, this 18-year-old kid goes on stage. And he said things that I've never heard before in my life. He said, hey, if you want to live on top of the hill, don't ask your neighbor at the bottom of the hill for advice. Smart. And uh, he said, your mind's like a parachute. It only works when it's open. Have you heard this before, right? He said, negative people have negative bank accounts. I'm like, <laughs> I'm broke and I'm negative. And, uh, you know, during the break, I go in, in, in the front of the, you know, the room where she saved the seat for me. And I started to take some notes. You know, I still got those notes today. Wow. And uh, 24 years later, and uh, I took notes on this gentleman. And him and I became really good friends. And he was one of my day ones. Right from the beginning, and uh, he's made over thirty million dollars in this industry. Incredible! And uh, and his family, my family, we all grew up together in the industry. But what I saw that day, Mike, was a way out. Right? It was hope. Yeah. Um, because my life started to flash in, right in front of me that day, and I started to look back. You know, of my my beginning. You know, my childhood, where I grew up and the friends that I've lost, you know, and the environment that I was in. I said, wow, this is just hope. And this is a way out for me. 
Yeah. And they don't look at my resume. They don't look at my background. They don't look where I live. They don't care what kind of car I drove. They don't care about my creed, my color, my belief, my religion. Yeah. And I saw circles the numbers that day and I said, hey, that could be me at the top. So when I went from, I went from tragic to magic that night. Nice. And when I left those doors, I wasn't the same person that walked in. And I knew that I had to do it. But here's the big problem, Mike. It was $700 to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and making $5.25 an hour. Yeah. Making cinnamon buns. I had to do something. Again, God works in mysterious ways, brother. Sure does. I was driving in San Diego, right? And somebody hit my car. And it was not like, it's no more than a week since I seen that presentation. And I was praying to God, like, how am I going to get this money? How am I going to get this money, Mike? So what happened was somebody hit me. And when I got my settlement, $1,200, right? $1,200, that was it. $1,200 was my settlement. I didn't even fix my car. I used that money. And, and it's crazy because it was exact, almost the exact amount that I needed because it was $700 to get started, $695 to be exact. And it was another like $500 or so for me to go to, it was a training. Yeah. I had to take some training course for me to get started. So, it was right. so I was like, man, what a blessing, right? So I got started that day. And uh, it was a telecommunications company. We're selling long distance. We're selling air. And all I got was this box, right? I got this box and I took it home, read the pamphlets. I got home, told my parents, told my girlfriend at the time. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to do this. Right? That's great. That's but, awesome, man. but the thing is, again, reality sets in. You're excited. You're pumped. You're motivated. You're ready to go. But there's a learning curve can't just go in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because here's the thing. People that I met that day, you know, they were on their chapter 30. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I was in my chapter one. I was barely reading the credits. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I went in there guns blazing, thinking that I could make it happen. So that's yeah. my ego talking, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Ego, ego can definitely get in the way at times. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, how grateful are you, you know, for your sponsor? I mean, she did it the right way. She, if she didn't show up on time and she missed you, you would have been gone. I mean, there's so many of those moments of uh, exactly what you said. You were where you were supposed to be with the right people at the right time in your life. And then to have an accident a week later and get the exact amount you need. Hello. And so, you know, for our listeners out there, what do you take from that is, is a couple things. As you're looking to sponsor people in the business, here's a guy who was negative. Here's a guy who didn't really want to show up. Here's a guy who was about to leave, but because she stayed consistent and persistent uh, with Christian, she got him in the business. And 24 years later, he's still a part of the industry. The ripple effect that she put into his life and his family's life now kind of has turned into what my next kind of topic is for you. And that's you're now a founder and CEO of a company. So you went from the guy who was scared to walk in from, uh, from your goatee and holes in your ear to now being a founder and CEO. 
What made you do the transition from uh, decades in the field to then wanting to start your own company? And usually it's because of passion of something or other people are just keep screwing you around and screwing up. And you say, finally, I'm tired of this. I'm going to do it the right way myself. Uh, but tell us a little bit about how that transition happened from field leader to CEO. Yeah. You know, I mean, in, in any industry, right? In any industry, I'm not just talking about this. You see the good, the bad, the ugly, and the super ugly. Yeah. Right. And uh, I've seen it all man, in my career. And uh, there are times in my high points where I'm like, wow, man, I felt bulletproof. And I'm like, Superman, nothing's ever going to take this away from me. And things do change, right? For example, when I was in that industry of telecommunications, that industry is no longer there because I was selling long distance, right? I was selling long distance. And when that went away, now you could get all you can eat on your phone. Yeah. Right. So I saw a lot of a lot of the people that I work with, and especially myself, I see a lot. My, my, my income started to go away because there's more competition and whatever. So it's not the company's fault. The industry just changed. Yeah. Right. And so I had to adapt. I had to go and find other industries that's booming. So I just didn't want that. I wanted to be in control of my destiny. I wanted to say, hey, you know, I wanted to uh, be in control of my time and my money, you know, and uh, I took what I liked with the industry and I, I kept it, right? As a founder, founder and CEO, I just kind of molded what I wanted, you know, the best company to look like, nice. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, you know, I've been in the field right? and nothing wrong about being a distributor. I loved it. I cut my teeth in the industry by being a dis distributor. And uh, I love it. You know, I, I met some of the best friends being a distributor. But as a CEO, it's a different ballgame, man. It's a different ballgame. I, I went in it not knowing how to be a CEO. Yeah. So I had to read the books. I had to be educated. I had to understand about finance. I had to understand about, you know, profits and loss. I got to understand, you know, uh, legal, right? Those are the things that as, as a privilege to not know as a distributor. Agree. You know what I'm saying? The stress, I'm telling you, is a different level when you get into this game and you're a CEO and you're a founder of a company. The liability is on you. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, could, I could tell you both experiences because I've been in those both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. But here's the thing, man. Um, you just got to go after what you feel is right for you to do. You know, and I don't know if I told you this, but I got five kids. Nice. Right. I got five kids and I got four boys and I got a little girl and she was born on my birthday. Oh, that's awesome. She's the yeah. baby. She's the baby. Right. So I got four boys first and good five. luck for the future men that want to try to date her in the future with five older brothers. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So the thing is, um, I had to look at, you know, the good book says, hey, a good man leaves a you know, inheritance to their children's children's children, right? Yeah. And I wanted to leave an inheritance. Not to say you can't do that as a distributor. I just knew that I wanted to build something solid, you know, something that I could pass on and something that people could remember me of. Nice. You know what I'm saying? So that's my passion. I love it, man. I love it. And so that takes us right into because be becoming part of the field or becoming a CEO or, or any role inside of a company, 
Uh, what do big events mean to you and what have they meant over your career? For some of the people listening, they say, I can't afford to go this summer. Or, you know, things are opening back up now and some companies are launching some events and people say, I'm just not sure if I, I want to go. How important it is, is it if they're listening in right now, how important is it for them to get out to a live event and meet the people and see the people? What has that done for you in your career? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I spent a lot of money. And I sacrificed a lot of time going to these events. And the reason why I did it is because of, number one, is my belief level, right? It makes it real. Yeah. And I wanted to be part of the heartbeat of the company. And I wanted to, know, I wanted to be that person that made a difference. So I didn't go there by myself. I brought as many people as with me as I can. Why? Because I'm not selfish. Yeah. I wanted people to see what I saw. Right. I want people to feel what I felt. So in order for me to do that, I had to feel it myself. Could you imagine if I went and I said, Mike, man, you know, I went to this comedy, you know, um, show and I'm telling you the whole bit. It's not going to work. Right. You're not going to laugh. You're not going to. It's not the same. True. I had people I needed people to experience it. So, again, when people when companies do these these events, it's so that you could have a higher belief level of the company and feel the heartbeat of the company, the mission and vision, right? And that's the reason why it's there. And it's very, very important that you go. Do whatever it takes. My mentor used to tell me, my coach used to tell me, he said, do whatever it takes to go. Yeah. Right? And if you don't have a, a room, if you don't have a place to stay, we'll Someone find a place. For you. <laughs> I'm telling you, we had, look, <laughs> we've had people crammed in into a room yeah because that's how important it is right i remember being hungry right i sacrificed i sacrificed just eating so that i could go to these events and maybe that's too that's a little bit extreme maybe some people are just like man i can't do that well i did it because it was important to me you do whatever it takes if it's important to you right that's and you'll true. find an excuse if it's not important to you yeah. But it was so important to me and my family because I could taste it, feel it, I could see it, and I needed to be at these events. I do whatever it took. No, I agree with you so much. And, and you know, something that you said too for the audience out there, listen, look, not, not everybody wants to make 100000 a month or 100000 a year. And we respect that and we love that. You know why? Because without the people who want to make 500 a month, there is no 100000 a month people. You see, network marketing is getting a large group of people to do a few simple things over a consistent period of time. A large group of people to do a few simple things. Well, a few simple things means 500 bucks a month. So if that's you and you go, look, I'm only here to pay off my kids' tuition. I'm only here for that. Fantastic. Stay doing exactly that. Don't never get pressured into having to go to big events or buy auto shipments and do all this. You're running a business that you want to make 500 bucks a month. Great. But for those that want to turn it up, you're at 500 a month or 1,000 a month and you want to get to 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month, 100 eventually, then that's what Christian's talking about. You just got to pay the price no matter how much it costs. You sleep on the floor, you bag up a lunch, you eat at McDonald's, even though it's not good for you, you just do it. I promise it won't kill you only for the weekend, right? But you make it happen. And so I appreciate that, man. And, and let's just kind of, you know, one other thing you said that I thought was so great. I've always tried to do this. I go to a comedy show. And I come back home or I go to the next day and I see my buddy and I want to tell them the joke. And man, do I screw it up. It's not even in the same format. There's no energy behind it. 
I don't even know what it is. I'm messing it up. I used a guy instead of a girl, which made the whole joke, you know, no one laughed. So I'm with you on that, man. It's just so true. It's a great example. I used to always use the Super Bowl, but I'm still on this one because I used to fumble and make that mistake all the time. And it's so true what you said is you got to just be there. You can't try to come back and tell someone about it. Let's wrap up with talking about culture, right? Because culture is so important, whether you are a CEO, whether you're a field leader, uh, doesn't matter. At some point, if you're brand new and you're just getting started, you're going to need to create a culture if your organization person who sponsored you doesn't currently have one. Some of you that are listening in, you may may not be plugged into your system. So get plugged in first because there might be an incredible culture already designed. But for those that are really going to take their business to the next level, and maybe you're just not there yet and you feel like you're missing a piece, a lot of times, Christian, I find that people are not creating culture. They're not doing potlucks. They're not doing barbecues. They're not doing things with their team necessary. How important has culture been for you over the years? And especially now as a CEO, once COVID gets back to normal, I'm sure you guys will be back to events and stuff. But talk a little bit about culture. I mean, culture is very important, man. It's the essence of the company. You know, it's the essence of you. And people are, are attracted to the heat, not the cold. And once you create the heat, and that's the culture. It's the fire, right? It's the nucleus of who the company is. So once you create the culture, people will come, right? And you got to create the right culture. And uh, for us, I mean, I could only speak for what we're doing here, right? Because I've seen other cultures and it's bad examples, right? We could go on and on and on. I could talk about an hour about different cultures and different ways and different methods of getting people. And you can't spell culture without cult, right? And people say, oh, it's a cult. Right? And you're creating a cult. No, 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 no. We're creating a way, a method, a lifestyle, right? And you gotta be very careful. You know what I mean? You gotta be very careful on how to, and especially if you're a leader, a leader of your organization is what you say and what you do, right? Is it, it determines what your what your team and your organization is gonna look like. Yeah, they're always watching. They're always watching, right? So I think the culture is based on, you know, the heartbeat of you and the company. If it's coming out of love, you know, coming out of love, then you'll create the right culture. But yeah. if it's coming out of what, if you're trying to do it in, in, in a malicious way yeah. right, and trying to be manipulative and creating that manipulation, you know, with your organization to create the culture just so that you could come up. Right. And I've seen it. I've seen it, man. I've seen the snake head. I mean, the, you know, I've seen it. So you got to be very, very careful, man. You know, the culture that you want to create has to come out of love. It has to come out of generosity. It has to come out of, you know, being grateful and have that gratitude of your team. Yeah. And the company needs to understand, right? And me, I understand that the lifeblood of the company is through the distribution, right? Yeah. So we create culture um, by getting together with our, with our team members. I have a call. We have a, a motivational call every morning, right? At five, at five 30, my time, I get on a motivational call wow. right? that the team has. And sometimes I just pop in just to listen because I've created, I started a culture of people just, Hey man, we got to wake up. We got to stay motivated no matter where you're at, be committed. And that little extra motivational call, that's part of your culture. Yeah, for sure. Because we created that, right? We have a call every Wednesdays, every Mondays, and Saturdays for training. We created a system that's part of our culture because we definitely want to have an open door policy with our company, and we want to give people 
information, right? You got to bridge the gap from distribution and corporate. That's the culture that we're trying to create, right? It's I a love it. policy. Is everybody going to have that culture? No. So when you're talking about culture, it's like a huge, you know, discussion and it's, it's a big scale. Yeah, definitely. Right. And it really depends on Mike, seriously, the person that's running the show. Yep. Right. No, it's so, so true, man. And, you know, listen, I mean, we could talk for hours, man. I love just sitting here with you and to know you're in Hawaii. I'm in Mexico. Chris is in Texas. And technology is just incredible what it's done for, for so many of us and, and, uh, and for COVID, you know, I mean, for, 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 you know, all the people that, that ended up getting COVID or passed, passed away, we, you know, our heart goes out to all those families and friends and people, but at the same time, great opportunities came from it. And one of those is people really got connected through virtual and through Zooms. I remember last year I did my birthday on Zoom and, and all that. So uh, Christian, man, we appreciate you at the life of a networker. Uh, we are excited to have guys like you. And uh, Chris, we thank you, my friend, my partner here who uh, organizes everything. Without Chris, I'd be lost. I wouldn't know what time it is. And so uh, I thank him. But um, just in the uh, last, last 30 seconds or so, last comment to someone out there that's listening. They're listening for 30 more seconds here to you what's your mission to them they may close out the year strong anything you want to give one message uh to that person looking for that golden nugget man i would say you know follow your heart and uh, be true to yourself and um you know and 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 look at your family tell them that you love them right and uh and and find your purpose nice you know what i mean find your purpose your reasons why you're doing the business because look i tell you what you know mike you know i always go back to my day one, when I first saw what I saw on that whiteboard, those circles of numbers and how yeah. it made me feel, Yeah. right? And I keep that inside of my heart, man. So when I do a presentation, when I go out there and talk to more people, I remember how it was for me and how somebody else made me feel. Yeah. So you gotta go out there. If you're a networker, if you've been in it for a while, or if this is your day one, Find your purpose and the reasons why you're doing it. And don't forget about that. So I love it, man. Thank you, man. Christian Rosario, our man, founder, CEO of his company, 24 years in the field. Thank you, Chris Morales. Appreciate you, brother. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Hi, guys. Aloha. Thank you for listening to The Life of a Networker. We really hope you have gotten some inspiration or value from listening to our show. For more info or to reach out, visit us at thelifeofanetworker.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Tell2 app, powered by RapidFunnel. It's not just another app. It's an entirely new technology category. The Tell2 app gives you a genuine way to build real relationships with your customers and get quality referrals with less work from you. Go to tell2app.com and build your brand, your way, and tell your story better.